Shall we pray? Our merciful God and Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this opportunity this day to gather around your word and to hear it preached. And as we look at the gospel, we pray that we would indeed hear our Savior's voice and come to him for salvation. We pray this in his name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you can see, congregation, we're going to take up the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and then we'll look at one of the question answers in the Heidelberg Catechism, question answer 8. I will read it out of the Blue Psalter Hymnal. So let's first turn into the Gospel of John and hear the very word of our God, John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, a very familiar passage. And then again, we'll take up a look at question answer 8 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Hear now the very word of our God. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. That's farther, the farther reading of God's holy an inspired word there in John chapter 3. Now let's take the blue psalter and look at question answer 8 together. It's on page 10 there in the back. Question 8. I'll ask the question, brothers and sisters, if you could respond faithfully with the answer here together. Question 8. But are we so corrupt that we are all totally unable to do any good and inclined toward all evil. Yes, unless we are born again by the Spirit of God. Amen. I'm going to get the water as y'all pass the mints. I have not yet seen that part of the worship scene in the bulletin. Mint passeth. But uh, it's a good one. <laughs> Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we consider the catechism, it continues the doctrine of sin 
and man's depravity. The author gives to us a glimpse of the hope in question answer 8. Remember that answer? Unless we are born again by the Spirit of God. That's the hope of this question, being born again by the Spirit of God. And the best place to consider this doctrine is found in John chapter 3, where Jesus brings it up again and again. There is a sister passage of this that's in Ezekiel 36, specifically verses 25 and 26, where he makes a reference. Jesus seems to make a reference there, but we're going to focus on John 3. And it's become, for us, a very culturally famous passage, specifically the passage, the verse we didn't read, 3.16. In fact, you can watch certain sporting events and you'll see people with posters of John 3.16 in the background. Certain athletes will put it somehow on their face or on their shoes or on some of their equipment, maybe a piece of tape on their uniform, John 3.16. But the context of John 3.16 is found in the verses we're going to look at this evening, verses 1 through 15. In this passage, Jesus teaches us that one must be born again by the Spirit of God for salvation for the entrance into eternal life, for everlasting life. And as Jesus teaches us concerning our need to be born again, we find this salvation as the entrance into the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, into eternal life. So consider, first, this new birth is our entrance into the kingdom of God. And this is seen in verses 1 through 8 of our passage. The context of Jesus' teaching on the new birth is, and, and the entrance into the kingdom of God is found with the Pharisee, Nicodemus. Nicodemus. This takes us directly to verses 1 through 4, and Nicodemus' question. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Before we move on in this passage, consider everything verse 1 tells us about this man, Nicodemus. This man was a Pharisee. That speaks a lot when you understand the context of the New Testament. This means that his theology was actually conservative among the church at the time. Compared to the Sadducees, which only read the first five books of Moses, which did not believe in the resurrection of the dead, or the Herodians, which really didn't read the Bible at all. They were just very worldly and more into politics than they were into theology. He, Nicodemus, as a Pharisee, believed the entire Old Testament. Believed, for what we have in our English, Genesis to Malachi. He read it all. In fact, if he is who we were going to say he is, he probably had it all memorized. He's a profound individual. He believed, as a Pharisee, in the resurrection of the dead. He believed all that the Bible had said. And out of all of the religious political groups, the Pharisees were the ones closest to what we believe today. If we were to find one, in the New Testament. They were. In fact, remember Jesus says, your righteousness needs to surpass that of the Pharisees. 
It's kind of a compliment to them. We also need to recognize, just like we would see today in Reformed circles, there are multiple groups of Pharisees. There wasn't just one Pharisee church. There were multiple, many. Let's remember, Paul was a Pharisee. He'd say he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And you continue to hear his understanding of the Old Testament bleed through his writings. Nicodemus was of the conservative group. This conservative group recognized Christ as a good teacher and simply put, at this time, an extraordinary man. That's what Nicodemus says. We're recognizing that you are a prophet of God. We're recognizing that you are extraordinary. And what Nicodemus will eventually have revealed to him is that Jesus is much more than just an extraordinary man. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Messiah. But before we turn there, we must recognize the second piece of information there in verse 1. Not only is he a teacher or a minister among the Pharisees, but he is also he also has a seat among the Sanhedrin. And we see that with the phrase when he says he's a ruler of the Jews. That means he's a member of the Sanhedrin. That he has a vote. That he has a seat on the council. And we will see Nicodemus again at the end of the gospel. We hear of Nicodemus in John chapter 7 questioning his fellow rulers. And then we see him taking care of the body, the dead body of Christ in John 19. He and Joseph of Arimathea both take care of the body of our Lord. Look at what verse 2, 3, and 4 say here. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now let's recognize quickly here that Nicodemus goes to Jesus at night. Right? That's what verse 2 says. Now many people have wanted to spiritualize that idea that that's talking about the condition of the spiritual life of the time. No, I think he's going by night because, well, somewhat of a coward. Doesn't want to be seen with Jesus during the day, so he goes to him at night. In the back alleys, in the byways. He simply makes a statement of fact. Hey, by the way, I just want you to know, um, I think you're great. We think you're great. We recognize that you're from God. You see, the focus Jesus brings to this man, though, is the messages on the kingdom. Have you recognized the kingdom? Do you know how to get into the kingdom? The only way one is able to enter the kingdom of God is through a new birth, to be, to be born again. Nicodemus, are you aware of that? See, Jesus moves, just like he did with the woman at the well in John chapter 2. He moves to the heart of the issue. Why are you coming at night? What's the matter, Nicodemus? 
This troubles Nicodemus. How can this happen? How can somebody be born? What in the world are you talking about? Is this possible? Nicodemus is thinking like, well, we would understand a rationalist to think. That's impossible. No one's ever done that. He's thinking scientifically. He's thinking literally. He's not thinking the way Jesus is talking, and that is spiritual. Spiritual. This has nothing to do with really the first birth of an individual, born of a woman. The first birth brought us into death through original sin, but this new birth will bring us to new life in Christ, which is exactly what Jesus does. He begins to explain that in verses 5 through 8. Look there again. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. See, there are two key fundamental parts to this answer that Jesus gives to Nicodemus. And as it relates to question answer 8 of the Heidelberg Catechism. The first is born of water and spirit. And the second is the distinction between the flesh and the spirit. Let's get to that first part there in that verse. Jesus makes the reality statement concerning the kingdom of God that only those born of water and spirit will enter the kingdom of heaven. This language of born of the spirit should be as clear to many in here. That's to speak of regeneration, of the new birth. Coming to faith, being born again, is what the context of the passage is describing. This is the entire point of today's, this evening's sermon. Wrapped up in that one little phrase. Now this language of being born of water is, is debated by some. Some people want to try to move away from the idea of baptism and say, this part, this being born of woman, born of the water, speaks of the first birth, the first birth, the the water, the water being broken when a child is coming forth and such. That's probably not the case. In fact, if you do go back later and look at that Ezekiel 36 passage, 25, I believe it's Ezekiel 36, 25 and 26, it will reference this very thing that Jesus is talking about. In other words, what this section is describing is not a biological birth, but a rebirth, which baptism symbolizes. This is not talking about baptismal regeneration, no. But what baptism signifies is the new birth. The cleansing of the old and the coming out of the water with the new. In Ezekiel 36, it talks about, and I will sprinkle upon them water and cleanse them, and then I will give them a new heart. Remove the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And I like to describe to kids in confirmation class or catechism class, that's literally removing the heart that's dead and putting a new heart, pumping with the blood of Christ. That's what's being described here. That's a new birth. That's being born again. But the second point to consider in this section is the distinction between the flesh and the spirit. He, he makes that point, and he, can, and he makes it again later in our passage. The difference between the spirit and the flesh. This gets to the part of the message that baptism indeed does provide. 
it does provide it. When our children are brought to the baptismal waters, the Father of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, they are being set apart from those children of the world, from those outside. There is a setting apart now. The washing of water is to symbolize the washing of the flesh, the removal of sin, the cleansing. This is not, again, I'm going to repeat this, teaching baptismal regeneration. It's teaching what the sign symbolizes. That's what it's teaching. It's teaching the gospel message that there's only one way to salvation. And it's through Jesus Christ. Not through water, but through Christ. This answer, Jesus continues to explain that one must be born of the Spirit in order to enter eternal life. This takes us then to verses 9 through 15 in our passage. Again, Nicodemus continues to ask the question. And Jesus answers very, very kindly, very politely. He's not saying, look, it's past my bedtime. What are you doing here? We're running out of you know, light. He continues to help the teacher of Israel. Look at verses 9 through 15. In verse 9, we find Nicodemus not able to recognize the doctrine of Christ. He's not getting it. The doctrine of salvation so Jesus slowly explains it to him again in verses 10 through 15. He brings it back up again. We'll slowly break this down for the teacher of Israel and explain the doctrine from the Old Testament in just a moment. But first, the real question is what has Nicodemus been teaching this entire time? If he has the same Bible Jesus has, if he is of the group that's reading Genesis through Malachi, if he's of the group like the Apostle Paul, that has it memorized. What in the world has he been teaching this entire time? Why is this new to Nicodemus? That's the question we need to wrestle with. John's Gospel actually begins with an interesting statement, which actually, I believe, helps understand Nicodemus's position. John's Gospel begins... But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. It is possible that John's words here are stated over and against those teachers of Israel at the time of Nicodemus. Who, if we were to reverse that order of John chapter 12, would be arguing that you are a child of God because you are a son of Abraham, biologically. You are in because you're Jewish. In fact, if you want proof of that, in continuing unbelieving Judaism, which we have to this day, they don't practice evangelism. They don't practice proselytizing. For them, adding a new convert is when someone is born, and they're born Jewish. You are a child of God because you are born Jewish. That would be according to the will of blood and the will of man and the will of the flesh. And John says, it's none of that. 
It wasn't any of that back then either. Look at Esau. Look at Ishmael. It wasn't that then either, and it's not today. Secondly, also, we see in our passage, Jesus points, as we said in the previous point, it's a spiritual reality. Here we recognize that means it's a heavenly reality. It's a heavenly reality. This is the spiritual truth revealed from heaven, given to man in the pages of the Old Testament. That's Jesus' point. Nicodemus, what in the world have you been teaching? You've got what I've got. Why have you not been teaching this truth? And so again, in verses 9-15, through 15, Jesus goes after him. First of all, Jesus makes the theological point in verse 13 concerning the incarnation and his ascension. He refers to himself as the Son of Man, and that's, that automatically needs to be a flag for Nicodemus. He's talking about the Messiah and himself. The language Nicodemus would have right away understood as a reference to Jesus being the Messiah. But this language of descending and ascending was what Jesus presses home in verses 14 through 15. Jesus turns Nicodemus to Moses, raising the serpent in the wilderness, following the trial upon Israel when they rebelled and Serpents were, were, were sent and bit and killed some. To those that were bent, and also, all they had to do was look at, the, look at the serpent on the staff and they would be healed. That serpent was raised, and that's Jesus' point. He must also be raised. Jesus says, look there, the Son of Man too must be raised, and those who look to Him will be healed. Those who look to Him will be saved. Those who look to Him will have the entrance into Eternal life. This is salvation. It's the promise of the new birth. Those who were once spiritually dead are now brought to new life. Those who were deceived and bit by the serpent in the garden now through the seed of the woman have new life, have new birth. And as we come to a close this evening, let's consider we have learned and see how it is applied to our lives. As we must live in this passage with Nicodemus and learn what it means to be born again in Christ, we recognize that Jesus reveals biblical doctrine. Biblical doctrine that if one wants to enter the kingdom of God and one wants to receive eternal life, they must come to Christ and they must be born again. There's no other path. There's no other way. This is it. There's only one way. Up to this point in life, there is only one promise, and the hope of the Spirit of God will be used in the preaching of the gospel to open up the hearts and the minds of God's people to bring them to Jesus Christ. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the preaching of Christ. Romans chapter 10. Recognize also Jesus gives to Nicodemus the understanding through the Word of God. Notice where Jesus goes. To explain biblical doctrine, Jesus goes to the Word of God. This is vitally important for our day and age. This is vitally important for every day and age. Jesus gave to Nicodemus the Word of God. It's the message. It's the Word of God. The message there. That's what saves. The message did not come from the Roman, Roman Tribune, the Jerusalem Gazette, or the Bethlehem Times. It came from the Word of God. It came from Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. It came from the Bible. 
came from Moses. Also, let's recognize too, that no matter how many times we pick this book up and we read it, we're always going to come to that another passage where our eyes, it's like, where has that verse been my whole life? Why hasn't it been that clear? And so the same thing Nicodemus needed at that time is the same thing we need today, and that is faith in the Spirit of God. We need faith and we need the Spirit of God to work in our lives so that we can read clearly what is already clear in the pages of Scripture. And when a child is brought up in the faith, God makes promises to them. Promises them of salvation. That's on God's hands. That's in His hands. And even think about when there is a covenant child in this group, in this congregation, that grows up. Maybe has even made profession of faith. And has left home and has gone wayward. Maybe you even had to have, hear, have had heard from the pulpit the letter of the excommunication. You need to know that the only hope for that individual is still in the promises made at the baptismal font. that that person's life is still in God's hand, no matter their age. And it's even true of those here today that are still just playing. They're still just going through the motions. That have, that have turned coming to church as something to just mark off of the checklist. If I don't show up, the elders are going to call me. It's not really somewhere I want to be. It's true of that individual too. The only hope we have today of our children, of anyone, is found in the promise that God is the one that does the saving. He's the one that draws us by His Spirit to His Word to His Son. He's the one that gives us the new heart. He's the one that gives us ears to hear and eyes to see. It is God's doing, and that's the message Jesus gives to Nicodemus. In order to get into the kingdom of heaven, one must be born Again, to have a new life. That's our only. Amen. Shall we pray? Gracious Heavenly Father, once again we thank you for giving us this wonderful opportunity as we have gathered into your presence to hear your word. We thank you. We pray that your spirit would continue to apply these words to our lives, that he may continue to guide us and direct us according to the truth that is Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray.